Hey, Johanna, welcome to this week's episode of the Married to a Disneyotic podcast. This is show number 18, and we're your hosts, Crystal and Matt. And we want to thank you all for tuning in. With 2023 officially in the books and us having discussed some of the major Disney happenings of 2023 in our last episode, we now look forward to 2024. On today's episode, we'll be chatting about some of the things Disney has announced that we are most looking forward to in the new year. While we will mostly focus on Walt Disney World, we might also throw in a couple honorable mentions outside of Walt Disney World later on. Joining us on today's show, we have, of course, our good friend and preferred travel agent of our community, Sue Passauer. Hi, Sue. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? And happy new year. A couple weeks late, but happy new year. Happy new year work. So we definitely have to thank Sue for taking the time to record with us today. She's actually calling in from her car on a drive from her home state of Louisiana all the way to New York. But don't worry, she is not driving. Somebody else is driving. She's the passenger in the car. But this is the dedication Sue has to our lovely community. So thank you, Sue. Well, you're very welcome. It's a good way to pass some fun time. (laughs) Also joining us today, we have our good friend and our show regular, Megan, with us. Hi, Megan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. As always, good to have you. All right. So Disney has a lot of great things to look forward to in 2024. Uh, I'm sure as the year goes on, we'll get lots of surprises along the way, other than what we're about to discuss. I also know that some of the things we talk about right now, it being the beginning of the year, could very likely change and not happen or sound different from what we're talking about now or be delayed to 2025, as very often does happen with Disney as they try to perfect the different things that they're going to be uh, giving out to us. But there are definitely a few things that we already know that we are expecting, we are looking forward to. It's kind of like a mixture of what's new and I'll say what's new again, because a lot of stuff that changed because of the pandemic, even though this was, what, three years ago, it never returned fully. And it seems like 2024, we are getting closer to what it was like pre-pandemic. I'm eager for a lot of these to return myself. Yeah. And I think that's probably a a great spot to start because it's something that we have all been anticipating and waiting for. We have Sue, who is a travel agent and an expert in planning Disney vacations. We have Megan, who is an expert in her own right as a Disney fan and going all the time. So why don't we jump into maybe some of those changes when it comes to visiting the actual parks where we're seeing kind of a return to normal. So Sue, what are some of the things that we have to look forward to? Well, from the travel agent perspective, two of the biggest things you're going to see is first, let's start with tickets and park permissions. For ticketing, for date-based tickets, park reservations are history. Just starting on January 9th, if you are buying a date-based ticket, you will no longer be required to make a park reservation. And as we all know, that's what everyone is the most excited about. It brings that spontaneity back to Disney. (laughs) Um, There was nothing more fun than waking up in the morning. And although you think you want to go to Magic Kingdom, maybe you wake up and decide, hey, you know what? I want to go to Hollywood Studios (laughs) today. And you know what? Now you can. Um, So that is probably one of the, the absolute biggest changes. Now, unfortunately, not all park reservations are going away. 
let me put this caveat. If you are an annual pass holder and you do not have a Disney resort reservation. Right. That's key. You will still need to make park reservations to visit the park. So, Sue, real quick, if you have a resort reservation, if you're staying on property and you have the annual pass, it doesn't matter. Because you're staying at a hotel, you can still take advantage of the no reservation system. That's what we have been advised. As long as your name is on a resort reservation, you will not have to have park pass reservations because you're treated just like someone who has a date-based ticket. I'm excited about the return of that for the spontaneity, but also the flexibility. Because on our last trip with the rain, we had a really bad rain day and we were planned to go to Epcot and that's where our reservation was. And it would have been nice to be a little bit more flexible and change our plans earlier in the day than instead of having to wait until that two o'clock park hopper that we had to experience with the pass holder. Right. And and I think that's what a lot of people, you know, enjoy. Now, in that, with the annual pass holders, if they're entering before 2 p.m. is when they'll require the, the park reservations. Um, if they're going to enter the parks after 2 p.m., then they do not need park reservations. It's only if they're looking to enter the parks before 2 p.m. And that actually changed a little while ago. So people are probably kind of used to that. Okay. Um, And then just to add on, the other caveat to that is if they are looking pass holders, and this is pass holders only, and we want to be real clear on that. So if you have an annual pass, if you're going to plan on visiting the Magic Kingdom, on a Saturday or Sunday, you will need to make a park reservation. That is, um, you know, they have all these little caveats that are going in. <laughs> and, um, you know, it might be a little bit tricky. It's a great time to use a travel agent because we'll know. I was know just going to say that, Sue. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there are some little caveats we you, you go through. But as far as the general guest who's, you know, going to visit the park with their ticket packages, Adios reservations, you're out of here. And we're very happy to see that. <laughs> and Sue, they have something else that started a couple of days ago, I think on the 11th for annual pass holders too, called good to go days. And I think that's supposed to be like specific days where Disney is basically telling annual pass holders, you don't need a park reservation even before 2 p.m. But it's only when they have, I guess, determined that there's enough availability at the park they will let you know if it, if it's good to go or not. I hope oh, that good to go days, right? And, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming blockout days will still probably be a big part of that. But that is another option that you will have. So it looks like Disney is in like this middle ground when it comes to trying to go back to the old way of just that spontaneity, just show up when you want, but still kind that- of keeping an eye on things. Yeah, and you're right. And those days will be displayed on the park reservation calendar. Um, So if anybody has those and they want to know what those days are, um, they can simply refer to go to your My Disney, you know, the Disney World app, and they'll be able to tell them what those days are. Um, I believe those start January 11th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they started on the 11th, um, yeah. I, I, 
in all honesty, I think they're holding off. They want to get through marathon weekend, which will wrap up after that. Now, Megan, as a, you know, you've been on before and you've talked about the, the military family aspect of that. What have you heard about park reservations and things like that when it comes to that side of things? So with the military tickets, you do still need park reservations. So it is kind of a bummer because I've had to book all my reservations for this week. <laughs> um, but at the same time, the good thing is since we have the park hopper option and now that is back, then we can still take part in park hopping anytime during the day. And we don't have to wait until two o'clock like before. So even though we still have to make reservations, we still have the park hopper option and we can hop whenever and wherever we want. Right. So that's the other big change. Uh, park hopping is back. Almost, I'll say almost to full uh, pre-pandemic levels because it was uh, there was no park hopping. And then there was the 2 p.m. thing where you had to make a reservation to your first park. And then after two, you could hop over to another park. And now it's essentially just allowing park hopping anytime before 2 p.m. But annual pass holders, right, Sue, like you said, they still have to have a reservation for a first park. They have to go and scan in and then they're able to move to another park after that. So I'm guessing that's maybe to try to slow down the the number of people who are doing that, that need to go, you know, make a reservation, go scan in and then move. Or like you said, you just wait till 2 p.m. to go to your first park. One thing that, you know, the, the reservation system taught Disney and they're trying to figure out and maybe it's through they'll be able to gauge it is I think it really allowed them to try to staff the parks better. Mm. knowing what the possible, although they have great history, but things have changed, is, you know, what parks are going to be busier on what days and allowing them to bring in and hopefully staff the parks and restaurants and things and counter service restaurants better to make the experience even better. I know I'm looking forward to the res- so I'll be honest, the reservation thing to me never really bothered me, making my reservations in advance. We're so pre-planned to try to squeeze in as much as we can during the number of days that we're there. We already kind of did that before we we were ever required to reserve, right? We said, okay, Monday we're going to Magic Kingdom, and then Tuesday we're going to go here, and then we're going to go here after. So we kind of always did that. I I love this spontaneity. I love it for you know locals who just kind of want to show up and they don't have to make these reservations in advance. I I get why people want that to come back. I personally. As somebody who doesn't go all the time, but we go a few times a year, I'm looking forward most to the the park hopping coming back. Because if all of a sudden we're in a park and we've been in Magic Kingdom for two hours and Lincoln's like, okay, I I really want to go on Rise of the Resistance, we go, okay, let's get on a bus and we'll go over to Hollywood Studios and, and we'll do that. So... I'm very excited for all of these to to come back, but I feel like <laughs> that's the good, the positive, right? Uh, we do we don't want to talk about it. We should mention it so everyone's aware. Uh, Disney did have a price increase when it comes to uh, their their tickets, specifically their annual passes. It's to be expected, right? I, I understand it's expensive. I understand that a lot of people might like to complain about how expensive the tickets are, but honestly, when you compare it to other theme parks and other vacations that you go on and you you look at the quality of what you're getting and what Disney offers, 
it's not an excessive amount, I would say, right? If, you, if it's something you love and it's what you put your time and effort towards and your money towards, it's still well worth it. I believe annual passes, they did go up, but it was like from anywhere from 30 to $50, depending on the level that you got. So it's not like it's a four or $500 difference. It's, you know, that's inflation. That's the cost of living goes up. It's going to keep going up. It's never going to go down. But you really do get a lot, but it did go up. I want to make sure everybody knows. Uh, parking went up. It, it was like 25 bucks. Now it's 30 bucks. It's still free at resorts. It's still free at, it's free at resorts for people staying at the resort. Right, Sue? Yeah, you and you know, another resort. thing about that, you say that, it is free at resorts if you're staying at the resort. But what a lot of people don't know is if you're staying at a resort and you want to drive to a theme park, it's still free. You yeah. can then park at the theme park and there's no charge. Right. So, you know, if that's benefits, prefer, it, you know, there really are benefits um, other than property. just being in the magic of staying on property, but right. there are benefits of staying on property. And that's one of them. Right. And it's still free at, you know, uh, Disney Springs for people that want to go. It's just really for those people that are showing up. They're not staying at resorts. They're going to the parks for those day passes. And again, $30. Go to the dark park down the street. They're charging you the same amount. Go to, we, we're up in New Jersey. Go to Six Flags. They're charging you $25, $30. And that's that's Six Flags in New Jersey, not Disney World, <laughs> which is a very different quote. Megan's laughing because she's from Pennsylvania, so she knows. It's, it's like, for those of you who haven't been there, Six Flags in New Jersey is like a bunch of roller coasters in the middle of a parking lot. Like, it doesn't look any different than that. So uh, the pricing did go up, but you're, you're well aware of that before you really get involved or, or before you even really get there. Uh, Sue, is there anything else that we have to be aware of when it comes to pricing, or is that, that about it? I, I don't know if, like, the day costs went up or anything like that. You know, it's hard to be able to, to judge on that. Because with date-based pricing, um, the pricing can change each day. Right. Um, so, you know, you really just have to look at the calendar, look at the validity dates of the tickets. Although it's usually just a few bucks. Sometimes it'll be as much as six or seven if you're looking at a holiday date. But sometimes, you know, I'll tell people, if you even if you're trying to save just a few bucks, um, if you look at the ticket validity dates, sometimes it's better to start your ticket a day early and it still goes through the length of the ticket that you need. But you might stay of a few dollars by starting or buying it to start a day early. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you have to enter the park that day. It just means that's the earliest day you can enter the park. Again, another good reason to have a reliable, well-experienced travel agent in your back pocket to help you plan all this stuff. Well, in all honesty, we're just here and to make sure you get the best deals and to make sure that you get the most out of your time at Disney. Yep. That's why we use, use you, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> now, another um, topic is uh, Genie Plus. Um, Disney did announce that there are some changes coming, but they haven't really made much specifications. Um, uh, Megan, you're in the middle of planning a trip. Is there anything that looks differently for you right now than what it looked like for us? Like, were you able to pre-book anything? No. So as of right now, the only thing I know is 
they don't know how booking the lightning lane is going to work <laughs> if you don't have park reservations, if you could book, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy or if you can book Tron. So I don't know anything yet. Um, no. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but I also I'm one of those people that doesn't really use Genie Plus. Right. You had mentioned that in a previous yeah, I mean, I don't mind doing the individual lightning lane every once in a while because those are the rides I really, really want. But just seeing how it worked in Disneyland where I did have it and it worked a lot better than how it, I personally think it works in Disney World. I know I'm going to get a lot of slack for that. That's OK. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't have a problem giving it a try in the right park, but I don't think it's necessarily necessary all the time. So I will tell you that I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum because <laughs> I despise waiting. I am the most impatient person in the world. Matt would pay an extra $100 on his theme park admission to never have to wait yeah, in line. Yeah. And that's being, that's lowballing it because he'd probably pay more than that. I would pay almost whatever I have to pay to not wait in a line. I will say that I am not always happy with Genie Plus because... <laughs> I pay the money in the morning because I'm like, well, I want to skip as many lines as I can. And then I go to the, the ride and I'm still waiting in a line, sometimes a very long line. But very often I am able to cut a lot of the, the main line. The thing I don't like the most is the rides with the holding areas. So think like um, uh, Haunted Mansion, think Cosmic Rewind, right, yep. where you're in that line and you're getting to skip the standby line. But then all of a sudden you get to the room where they're letting both lines in. And you're just in this huge crowd and you're like, okay, well, now what I just paid for doesn't actually help me anymore, right? Everybody else is in the same boat. I like it. They haven't really given us much information. They say, or I guess when they mentioned this, they said the, the whole idea is what they're working on is they're going to try to make it simpler. Now, the change that happened in 2023 is it got more expensive, right? And certain days became a lot more expensive than what it was when it first, she was laughing than when it first came out. But uh, the idea is it's supposedly going to be easier to use. They almost went to date-based pricing. Um, yeah. So they they based it on what they thought the the levels of the park were going to be and, and did that. And, you know, you can always look at Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios, and then they're one price, and then you'll get to Magic Kingdom. And then they offered you the option that now you can buy it with the park hopper on it. So your yeah. Genie Plus works in every park. But if you and ever pay attention to it, you'll see the park hopper is always priced exactly the same as Magic Kingdom. Right. So like, what's the point? Why wouldn't I get both? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. I think and, last... I and what they realized is that most people who park hop, park hop mm. to go back to Magic Kingdom yeah. or to start in Magic Kingdom and go somewhere else. Right. I think I saw uh, Christmas week. I think the it was the highest it had ever been. I think it was $35 for Magic Kingdom, which yeah. is the highest that I, I have seen it. When we were there, uh, you know, before Christmas, I think the most I paid was $26. And again, that was like Sue said, that was the same price for Magic Kingdom or the multi-park park hopping option. So I, even if I wasn't going to park hop, I just did that just in case I was going to, to park hop. So hopefully it will be easier to use. I know a lot of people do complain that they don't they don't get it. It's somewhat confusing trying to do the certain times. I would love the ability to pre-book lightning lanes, uh, you know, like the old FastPass Plus system where you could pick three rides. Like 
that was a big part of the planning process for us. That was, I remember Crystal making those yes, color coordinated draft board spreadsheets. I did that too. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, well, this time we're going to go here. It's going to take us precisely seven minutes and 13 seconds to walk from this ride to this ride. And then we get a fast pass for this. She's laughing at me or giving me the evil. I don't know what she's giving me. <laughs> okay, right I make you laugh. You thought that was the highest. Just for giggles, I had to look. Mm -hmm. And this is very rare. But for Genie Plus today, December 27th, Magic Kingdom Genie Plus is $39. Wow. Uh, wow. It's what, 12.52? It's 1.52 Eastern Time. Um, Magic Kingdom is 39, Epcot is 32, Animal is 29. The Genie Plus service is sold out for multiple parks and Hollywood studios. It's so busy there. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what people need to remember is this week right here, traditionally, yeah. from between Christmas and New Year's, is the busiest week of any week in Walt Disney World. Right. No, so thank you. So if you don't like to line, wait lines, Matt, never go this week. So if you had a family of five, like we have, we're a family of four, if I had one more kid and we were going to go and I wanted to buy, that's an extra like $200. Nope. So Crystal said that I would pay any amount. I would probably hesitate at $200 for the, for the day. For one day, um, on top of the, everything else. On top of it. So I we, we have an annual pass. If I already had the annual pass and I wasn't paying anything else, and there was also like, I might consider it if it was nope. like the only time we were there. He would a, consider it. I would consider it. But that's no. a he, he would just be like, oh, we'll just pay it off when we get home. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's the thing. It's so busy there. Even $200 later, the thing that would make me hesitate is I know that I, I'll get to skip the line, but then there's going to be enough. If it's sold out, there's I'm gonna another full line. I'm going to skip the line to, to wait in line. Wait in line. And that's what bothers me the most about it. So we'll see what they do. Again, they haven't really given us many details, but we do know that some sort of change is coming this year to Genie Plus. We could do a whole episode on the pros and cons of Genie Plus. Yeah. I would take the free fast pass service again. I, you know, free, I like. That's fine. When you used to have to run to the oh. ride... Yeah, and, of old school and the paper ones. Yeah, and I just remember running to like Big or Big Thunder Mountain. We did yeah. that once. I don't know why that was the ride we ran to, but I remember running yeah. to that ride. I love it. All right, is there anything else when it comes to like visiting the parks themselves? We talked about reservation system, park hopping, uh, the changes to annual pass, the price increase, Genie Plus. I feel like that's the big announcements that they made. Uh, when it comes to that's like the logistical stuff we got that out of the way first i think all right so get to the happy thing the big change the yes. really happy thing for 2024 yep drum and we've all been waiting for it disney dining plan is returning <laughs> get your stretchy pants ready <laughs> all right yeah. so yeah. yes dining the dining plan is coming back a version of the dining plan is coming back right it seems but like that's it it's seems like that's the, the trend. Well, yeah, so it's, no. it's, it's missing. It's essentially the same. It's missing one very big part that we used to always take advantage of when we did the dining plan. And we'll get into it. But it is a version is coming back because it's not the same exact type of dining plan with all the offerings and levels that you had pre-pandemic. So this was another casualty of the COVID era that it but disappeared. It's actually reverting back 
to the original dining plan. And if you kind of remember, they came out with this secondary dining plan that they called the Disney Deluxe Dining Plan. Ah, the best. And to me, it was basically for the people who didn't go to Disney to do anything else but eat. Because That's us. That's us. <laughs> we, we go to Disney World for the food. Yes. So that is the thing. Okay. So before we jump into what's missing, Sue, why don't we jump into what it is and what it's offering, what the dining plan is and, and things like that. So what is the this new kind of coming back to the original when it first came out version of the dining plan we're going to see coming back in 2024? Sure. There's two versions of the dining plan that's coming out. Um, the first one is going to be the basic one. It's going to be the counter service dining plan. And basically what the new counter service or quick service dining plan is going to be is you're going to get two counter service or quick service meals per night stayed. And that's where to start off, a lot of people get confused. The dining plan is not calculated on the days you were there. It is calculated on the nights you are there. So if you're doing a counter service or quick service, you're going to get two counter service meals per night per person, and you're going to get one snack per night per person. You are also going to get, for each person over the age of three, you're going to get a resort refillable mug that is good to be filled not only at your resort, but any resort you would visit if you're, you're resort hopping and you know, just see the resorts, you could bring your mug and fill it at any counter service um, food court area. And the second version is the Disney dining plan. That is going to be one table service, one quick service meal, and one snack per person per night. Um, as far as kind of what the price points are, um, mm -hmm. The quick service dining plan for an adult is going to run around $57. The price for a child, which would be anyone ages three through nine, is going to be right under, tw right almost $24 per night. And then for the Disney dining plan, it's going to be about $94 for an adult and about $29 for a child. Sue, is there, um, so with the one, the dining plan that we had most recently, eating at a place like California Grill cost you two table credits. Yeah, the fine dinings, um, some of those restaurants are still going to cost you two dining credits. So you um, can still combine points uh, from previous absolutely. days. To, okay. The way I tell people is you can't really think of it as per night. What you right. should do when you're figuring it out is, and how you want to do it is, okay, so say the Woolly family goes and you're staying five nights and you have two adults and two children, okay? And let's act like Landry is three, okay? Right. You're going to get, for your five nights, say you do the dining plan, the one with the table service, counter mm, service. Standard. You're going to get 10 adult credits for a table service. You're going to get 10 child credits for a, a table ser a table service. And then you're going to get the same 
10 child counter service or quick service and 10 adult quick service or counter right. service. Okay. You can use those in any combination you want. If you want to go hog wild and on day two, schedule a character table service for breakfast, uh, a table service at garden grill for lunch, and then go to Akershush um, for dinner. You can use all of those in one day. You just use those. And on the other days, you either going to end up paying out of pocket or you're going to be using some counter service meals. Right. So that is, and this is where we'll get into, I guess, what's missing for us. Because we always did do that deluxe dining plan. Because with the deluxe dining, you would get... It was three table three. service. Yeah, you would get three points. And then you also got three snacks as compared mm -hmm. to one snack. And you got your your mug. So you're right, Sue. People who got the dining or either, were doing one of two things. They were eating three meals a day at Disney World. Or they were going to one of those more signature restaurants. So like we oh, didn't right. really eat three meals a day. What we would do is we would use one point for breakfast. And then we would use two points for a signature meal, we go to California Grill or something like that. And then we had those three snack points for in the middle of the day where, you know, the pro tip was always you would go to Epcot when they Epcot. had a festival yep. and you could use your snack points to buy basically mini meals at the booths. And that was how right. we we went through, you know, dining on all of our vacations. So that's what we say when we're when we say we're missing or it's not like what it was right before the pandemic. But we we are excited for it to come back because, like you said, uh, how much is a, the quick service? You said it was how much for, for a person? Like $57? The dining yeah, plan 57. is going to be right at $94 for an adult. And there's some change in here. I'm just giving you the, the roundabout. But right. for the adult, $94. For the child, $29. And then for the quick service plan, it's going to be 57 for an adult and 23 for a child. Right. So I'm just looking even at like the quick service because on our last trip, we did do sit downs, but we also, because it was such a short trip, we did a lot of quick service and for $57, right? And then we have two, you get two quick service per day. We were spending probably more than that on quick service when we were paying out of pocket. Right. Because if you go nowadays, right, it used to be, yeah, you can go get a hot dog for $10, but now a hot dog is $15, $16 with some French fries. So you're like, and that's just getting the hot dog and the fries. Sue, do you know what comes with the different levels? Because I remember before the, you know, the pandemic, um, you got like different things with your meal or included as part of the meal and part of that package, depending on the level you were in. So, when we used to do the deluxe dining package, everybody would get like an appetizer, an entree, dessert, a beverage. What are you getting with these, the, the quick service package and this standard dining package now? Sure. It's changed a little bit. With the quick service meals, whether you get it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you're going to get one entree and you're going to get a non-alcoholic beverage for anyone 20 and under. So anybody who's 21 and over, if you want that alcoholic beverage, that is included in the quick service meal. And that definitely um, helps with the price. <laughs> the alcoholic beverage in Disney are not inexpensive. So no. um, if you're going to use it, um, use it. 
Um, for the table service meals, if you're going to get it at breakfast, you're going to get one entree and you're going to get a non-alcoholic beverage, of course, for anyone under the age of 21, and an alcoholic beverage, even at breakfast. Woohoo! A big mimosa breakfast is always <laughs> nice for a anyone 21 and old. <laughs> I could go for a mimosa. Exactly. Or if you're using it for brunch, lunch, or dinner, that's breakfast only. For brunch, lunch, or dinner, you're going to get an, a dessert added on. So you're going to get one entree, you're going to get one dessert, and you're going to get an alcoholic beverage for anyone 21 and over and a non-alcoholic beverage for anyone under the age of 21. Kind of goes the same way um, at brunch, lunch, or dinner, or even at breakfast, you can have also the full or family-style buffets. And the same thing with the beverage being included in an alcoholic beverage for anyone 21 and over. All right. So, I mean, it, like I said, it's not exactly the same as it was right before the pandemic. It, it might be closer to the original version, but it is nice that it's coming back. I know that a lot of people were clamoring for the return of the, the dining plan. We had been anticipating it because if you looked at a lot of the menus, even the menus at the booths at some of the festivals in Epcot, you started to see that little Disney dining plan logo reappear, that little square with the purple and the white. And everyone was like, oh, it's got to be coming back. It's got to be coming back. And it's been, they've been doing that for three years. Of, right? It's like it disappeared <laughs> it like, and then it came back. And now it's like, I mean, okay. it almost like didn't actually disappear, like because right. it was, you know, with the festival right away, the the um food and wine it was you know on there so um the price point isn't yeah, horrible know, I, think they, I think they always knew it was gonna come back mm. you know um and and i think they didn't get rid of it because they kind of always knew it was going to come back part of the reason that it's taken so long to be honest is disney had to get their staffing back and yeah. it took a while for them to get back up to the staffing levels that they needed to be to run the restaurants at full capacity and and provide the services. And I think that's really why it took so long. I will. So before we move on from the, the dining package, because uh, it is a big thing, uh, I do want to bring up the pricing uh, compared to the old ones. So the quick service plan seems to be about the same. Uh, a, a very slight increase. I think it's only like 2 or $3 more than what it was before. But the standard dining plan did see a significant increase. So you said the new one is about $94 per person. Uh, it used to be $78 per person. So the standard one did jump. Now, of course, all of the pricing of food in Disney has gone up significantly during that same time period. So there is a bit of a bump, but it's still probably if you go to the right places, right? That's the thing that we always noticed with the old dining package. Like we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to get the deluxe dining plan. And people were like, I'm going to use my table service to go to Casey's Corner. And we're like, well, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> like, go to California Grill where your bill is going to be $400 instead of where your bill is going to be $20. So or you have go, to use it the right way. Or go to the character meals, right. which are, it, I'm looking at Chef Mickey's right now, it's $54 per adult, right. and it's $34 per child. Right. So it's worth it. it's worth it to then get the dining plan because you will, if that's your one restaurant for the day, regardless of which one you're using, you're already going to be coming out ahead at the end of the day. 
Megan, will you be using the dining plan when you go again? I am not using the dining plan this trip. Uh, we are actually staying off-site okay. um, for the first time, so we are not eligible to get the dining plan. Right. Um, and I also believe that in the future, I won't be able to get it at Shades of Green anyway, so it means you, nothing to me. <laughs> were you able to get it at Shades of Green previously? No, it's never no. been a okay. thing. Yeah, so... Okay. Is is there an option in general at Shades of Green or not really? Nope. Yeah. So that's like the, the one downfall. You are limited to all of the perks that you would get by staying on Disney property. Uh, obviously, you still have a ton of perks, um, right. but, you know, but at the same time, my kid's a picky eater. I still pack him peanut butter sandwiches and he won't eat like anything while we're there besides a peanut butter sandwich and fishies. Um, so for me, it probably wouldn't be worth it until he gets a better palate and right. takes after me and eats everything in sight. <laughs> um, so even for a while, I don't see it being something that I'm going to miss. Um, now, if it was just me and Sid going, then I would definitely be trying to get that <laughs> dining plan and getting all of those drinks and using all of my snacks at all the Epcot booths right. because that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. It sounds like there's a lot of great stuff happening to kind of that return to normal, bringing us back to being no reservations, park hopping, dining plan, a lot of fun when it comes to the planning of your trips and getting ready to go down to Walt Disney World. But there are a lot of other changes taking place uh, around property as well. Uh, A few of the resorts are seeing some changes happen to them. Uh, whether you are a DVC member or just uh, you know not a DVC member going to stay, you'll definitely be able to notice a lot of these changes. Megan, is there one that is like really standing out to you that you're maybe like excited to see? Excited to see? No. Angry about? Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, I like that I other am, perspective. Yeah, I am not very excited about the DVC tower at the Polynesian. Um. <laughs> This is just me. I don't I don't stay there. I'm not DBC. So again, outsider's perspective. I just I think it ruins a lot of the sightline of Seven Seas Lagoon. And also from a population standpoint, where are all those people getting the monorail? Where are they eating? What pool are they swimming in? Like it just logistically, you're adding so much volume to a place that doesn't necessarily have the room for it. So that might be problematic for the people who generally stay at the Polynesian, like waiting for the monorail a little Mm. bit, because I don't see all of those people walking over to Magic Kingdom. (laughs) Um, But it does kind of put a burden on the place I stay at is Shades of Green, and they closed the walkway to the Polynesian. Now it's because of the, the widening of the road, which... The widening of the road is due to the DVC tower <laughs> Polynesian. Um, and they also don't want the Shades of Green people using the monorail that all of the Polynesian people now have to use. Um, so it's kind of a, a bummer for us. So yeah, I'm not too thrilled about that one, but we'll see how it turns out. I mean, I'm not going to poo-poo it until I see it, but it's not my favorite right now. I have to kind of agree with you. I I mean, I don't have the same perspective of the shades of green, but my concern is the the wedding pavilion and 
how this beautiful do you plan on getting married I, again i don't i don't i don't plan on getting remarried i don't plan on using the but it's always been a beautiful sight to see from the monorail and now there's going to be this huge tower that i don't know if it's going to end up overshadowing it and it's just like i just feel sad for the wedding pavilion so th this is what i'll say about the the dbc tower i know a lot of people right now are complaining about Oh, it's big and gigantic and it's blocking the sight lines. It doesn't look as pretty. Sure. Right now it's a giant concrete box because they're in the middle of building it. I'm not going to put anything past Disney when it comes to building something and theming it and making it feel like it's supposed to be there until I see the finished product. I have to believe that Disney is going to do a great job making it look like it fits in. Now, you'll always have people that don't like the change, that have a specific reason, and I, and I get it as a DVC person, where we do go once in a while on DVC points when we don't do our second and third trips by booking with Sue. Um, <laughs> I would love to see the villas at the Polynesian because they don't really have villas at the Polynesian. So if you are a bigger party that wants to stay at the Poly and you need those two or three bedrooms, that's what you're going to get with the tower, which is, I think, a, a great upgrade. I'm going to leave my my opinion until I see it, but it is something that's supposed to open up. You know, I get a lot of the logistical stuff you're talking about. Maybe they'll have, I, I doubt they'll put a restaurant in it. Maybe they'll put a restaurant nope. in it. I don't know if there's any plan. As for transportation, yeah, they're gonna, those extra people will go over to the monorail. Maybe they'll put uh, an, a dock because you do have the ferries, that, the boats that go across the lagoon can bring you to Magic Kingdom. So maybe more people will take advantage of that. I am excited to see. I always like to see when they add stuff rather than when they replace stuff or if they just get rid of something. I'm always pro adding right, because it's because not taking away something that somebody has. It's giving you something new. So I am excited for that. I understand where the, the concerns coming from, but until it opens in 2024 at some point, I'm going to reserve my, my opinion. And the current DVC options at Polynesian are to stay in... A bungalow or a studio style. Right. Which we have seen. Yeah, it hasn't come out yet, but it, it did say in the kind of pre-release about it that it is going to offer knitting and swimming options as well as other recreation areas. There you go. So I, I was expecting so they, them to build a pool because most DVC locations do have their own pool. Uh-oh, did Sue freeze again? For everyone listening, you may notice a bit of a change in the audio quality on Sue's end. Uh, like we said at the beginning of the episode, she is in the middle of a, a pretty long road trip. She's currently driving through Alabama and her signal dropped. So she is, again, kind enough to stay with us. She's called in on her phone, so uh, it might sound a little bit different. But we're going to pick up right where we left off. We were discussing the uh, the new DVC tower at the Polynesian and kind of some of the concerns people are having and what people are looking forward to. But Sue, you said that you actually read up a little bit on the property as well. Yeah, they haven't released a lot of information about it yet, but what they have indicated in some of the preliminary releases is that it will offer new dining and swimming options as well as recreational areas. Um, I know even on some of the concept art, it almost looks like there's like a pool to the side of it. Probably, it looks like where they have it placed on here, it would put it in proximity between the Polynesian Village Resort and the new DVC Tower. 
Okay. Um, but it does look like they are trying, you know, they realize it's going to bring in more people. So the concerns that Megan has and, you know, and then maybe y'all to a certain point, it does look like they realize they're going to have to put some offerings in there. And to be honest with you, I can't think of a, a DVC option or a, a resort like this that's come in that doesn't offer some type of dining option. Right, so I was going to say um, that's not unlike them to build one. Right, I was going to say most. I know most of the DVC uh, locations have their own pool, so that um, I was assuming that they would do that. Now, I don't think all of them have dining. So, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, over in Wilderness Lodge, where they have the Boulder Ridge. There's not a restaurant in Boulder Ridge, but they have like Geyser Point. So I am, you know, whenever you mention food, Sue, I am very excited to see what dining options that they may in, include because they did take away the the luau show, right? That used to be in the, the Polynesian. Yeah, that's where the luau went, so. R- right. So I'm wondering if that's like where the or pool where area the is going to be, if that's in between the two right. buildings. Uh, and then, you know, if they're going to offer another dining location. I'm all for that. Maybe the new dining location would incorporate somehow either the luau or a tribute to the luau, you know? So, yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath on that, but let's just hope for the Polynesian (laughs) thing. They have been uh, trimming down live entertainment. Right, exactly. I'll tell you one area I am excited for, though, is the new mm -hmm. boardwalk. Yes. Um, The cake bake shop that's coming in, Mm -hmm. Um, the new bakery, you know. I saw, I recently uh, did a tour of one of the new rooms at the boardwalk. And I can tell you, they are, they're adorable. I love the new artwork they've put in there. And I really think that that was a much needed refurbishment. Mm. And I really think it's going to be um, a positive refurbishment. It's it's going to make it a hotel that, you know, maybe not going to compete with Beach Club and Yacht Club because of the pool that they offer. But the proximity and location for someone who might be looking for a little bit better price point than Beach and Yacht, because it usually comes in a little bit under them, um, I think that's going to be a great resort. I've been liking the direction that the boardwalk has been going with the concept art that I've seen and the boardwalk itself mentioning the cake bake shop. I've been liking, is that where the old ESPN zone is? Yes, it is. And I felt like there was a period of time where the boardwalk offered the live entertainment. And then there was a duration where that kind of subsided a little bit and I felt like the boardwalk wasn't offering as much and now it seems like they're headed back in that direction with the food options we just went to the boardwalk deli and um, I've noticed that there has been live entertainment so I'm liking the direction that the boardwalk is going in myself yeah Yeah. and a lot of people remember it's got the proximity of walking distance to Epcot and to the Skyliner going to say it's also a closer walk to Hollywood Studios mm-hmm. than Yacht or Beach Club. Yep. Definitely one that I think. So we did that a while ago and I know I know it's supposedly based off of like the Atlantic City Boardwalk which we have here in New Jersey and that's definitely not what the modern day Atlantic City Boardwalk is. Uh, it was back nope. in the heyday. So when we stayed a few years ago like oh this is kind of cool. It wasn't really on the top of my list but you know like you said with all the renovations that are going on with but the boardwalk itself seeming to come back to life with all of these new restaurants and 
the the entertainment option that they offer, I can easily see myself spending some time just hanging out at the boardwalk. And I think that's one of the truly unique things about that property when you compare it to other resorts. So they, they all have the pools. They all have an arcade for the kids. They all have like those certain amenities that you're expecting. But the boardwalk itself, that is like a, a truly unique, fun, different thing that people might not realize is there that they're going to want to go experience. So I'm excited to see what all that happens. And I know that the the bake shop was originally supposed to open, I think, in 2023, and it got postponed a little bit. So hopefully that means it's going to be bigger and better than they had expected. But I am glad to see something going back into the ESPN zone. While I will miss it, because I, I remember that's where we could go watch a football game and things like that. I'm right. excited that something is opening there. Yeah, it's I think early 2024 is what they have it slated for. So Another resort area that I think is very overlooked that's going to be seeing some bigger changes is the Fort Wilderness Campground. Uh, again, a place that I have never stayed at. I've never um, even kind of considered as a spot for us to stay because I'm like, I, I don't want to go to Disney World and sleep in a tent <laughs> or an RV. And I know some people, you know, love that. The RV, maybe. Some RVs are, you know, massively more <laughs> nice than our own home is. But this is not them putting some new tents or, or leveling the ground when we're talking about them or doing it. They are expanding the, the cabins that they offer for you to actually, you know, to, to stay in. I believe it's going to be a DVC property. Uh, and it's going to have, I think, 350 new cabins are being, are being built and refurbished and, and ready to be part of that. So as a DVC member, it might be something that I'm willing to go look at. But it's also another unique experience because I know over there they have a lot of cool things. They have like the working ranch where you can go horseback riding. They have the hoop-de-doo review. So maybe we'll be staying there. I personally would like to stay there either the week of Halloween oh. or Christmas week because I would love to see the decorations. I would love to partake in that as well. Yeah. Those are just, you know, some of the things that resort guests bring to um, the magic of Disney World and not, you know, the property itself. They're projected for opening it. Um, I think the original projection was summer 2024, so it'll be interesting to see if they're able to stay on that timeline. Um, you are right. It's refreshing. I'm probably building in new ones. It's a DVC property, but it will be open for guests who are not DVC to do it as cash booking. Um, and most of the, the DVC properties do have that option. Um, so don't think just because you're a, a not a vacation club member, you won't be able to enjoy these new um, this new addition. But you know what? Fort Wilderness, I, I think a lot of people underestimate it because it does have so much. It's a great, if you're looking for a little bit more downtime, it's a great place to go. Just relax. I feel like that's not something that people really think about when they go to Disney World. You don't think about the different things that you can do to relax. And it's not even just relaxing because Disney, I think a lot of people associate with just the theme parks, right? They're like, well, I'm going to go to the park. But you could easily, like if you're an outdoorsy type of person and you want to go fishing out on the water and you want to go hiking and you want to go horseback riding, you can do that at Fort Wilderness Campground. And I know a couple of the other resorts even offer like fishing excursions and stuff like that. So you don't have to think, oh, I'm only going to Magic Kingdom if I'm going to Disney World. You could easily build a, a whole vacation where you don't even step foot into a theme park. That is easily a whole nother episode. 
<laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But no, I think it's going to be a great addition. And, you know, like Crystal said, trying to visit there during Halloween, staying there during Halloween, I would venture to say that that's probably going to fill up with as much DVC as possible. Um, whether those that weekend will make it to cash bookings, I'm not sure. But if so, I'm fairly certain in saying you better book it the day it's released <laughs> um, or they're not going to be there. <laughs> right. One last resort that is getting a refurb is the Grand Floridian Lobby. And hopefully we'll be seeing the return of the 1900 Park Fair and the Tea Room. Yeah, so I know that the Grand Floridian Lobby is like one of those iconic lobbies uh, of the resorts, right? When you think of those awe-inspiring things, I think Wilderness Lodge and Grand Floridian, those two lobbies are probably the ones that immediately stand out to a lot of people. And when they mentioned that they were redoing the Grand Floridian Lobby, again, there's, there's that backlash almost of the people who are like, don't change it. Like that is, that's our lobby. That's what it's always looked like. Again, I'm not, I can't put anything past Disney. There's good. There's got to be a reason why they are doing it. And it's probably going to still come out looking just as amazing and awe-inspiring. And in a few years, people are going to be like, oh, this is great. I remember when the first step they did was they they added, what's it called? The Enchanted Rose. The oh, lounge. I love that. Right. Yeah. Right. So still when, have they, yet to when be that there. originally got mentioned and they were changing the lobby, everybody's like, no, like, don't touch the lobby. And now everybody's like, I love that lounge. And it fits in nicely. So. Yes, it's changing. It's an iconic lobby. I don't think they're going to really mess up their flagship resort lobby. They're going to make it bigger and better and grander. So I am looking forward to seeing that. And 1900 Park Fair was one of my favorite oh. character buffet breakfasts with the omelet stations and stuff. Yes. And it's been closed since before COVID. So for it to finally, hopefully be coming back once this is done, I'll be very happy about that. I think a lot of people would be happy if that came back. That was a popular place to go. And, and I'm hoping that they, you know, another dining option isn't going to hurt. <laughs> no, no, more food never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, so that's a, that's a few things, uh, uh, you know, coming in 2024 with the resorts. Let's hop over and, and we'll wrap up our discussion talking about the parks themselves. The big one, which we've been, <laughs> we've seen this taking place for, a very, very long time is supposedly, and I say supposedly because you never know, but supposedly the long awaited end of the construction in Epcot uh, yeah. should be taking place in 2020. You mean Walcott? Walcott. Uh, Megan is literally cheer. She's physically pumping her fists in the air because she's so excited. So we should be seeing the walls come down, most of them. Uh, we should see their. I w it's not their originally planned revamp of the park because some things did change and get kind of nixed. But the final step is the opening of Communicore Hall and Communicore Plaza. Uh, the way that that was being presented to a lot of us Disney fans was these are like going to be more festival dedicated type areas where they'll have spaces for outdoor concerts and they'll have more indoor space for things like cooking demonstrations during the food and wine festival. That is something. We're waiting. I something. am <laughs> eagerly waiting the right. cooking demos. Right. Yeah. Character meet and greet locations and just a bunch of stuff to kind of really bring the whole area together. And I, what I'm getting from it is it's a way to kind of give us a little bit more of a transition from the future world part of Epcot to the world showcase rather than it being that big empty kind of walkway, which was great. You know, I loved seeing 
world showcase from Spaceship Earth. And I loved seeing, you know, Spaceship Earth from the en entrance to world showcase. But it was kind of just a big breezeway, a big walkway. So they're kind of utilizing the space a little bit more. We got the opportunity in our last visit to check out that that water thing with Moana, which was a lot more, about better I, than I was expecting. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Lincoln enjoyed it. And we were there in the I, rain. I, I, right. I love the water thing. I love your, so the journey of water. Right. The journey of water. Yeah, definitely something. <laughs> Megan, I don't thing. know if you got to check it out, but when you go, uh, you definitely want to check that out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Robert will get a kick out of it. Lincoln was there. He could have stayed all day playing with the water. Oh, yes. That is high on our list of priorities <laughs> for Epcot. Right. Uh, we also took yeah, it's really you know, cute. with Walt. Uh, so the, the whole area is very exciting. Um, Megan, I know you were cheering. You know, yeah. you're ready for this. I have been ready for this since that first construction wall went up like five years ago. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the last time I actually saw the middle of Epcot was before I even had Robert. So, yeah. I mean, he's six and that's a really long time. Yeah, um, in a while. I'm excited to see the openness of it all. The Walt statue, you know, all the seating, the trees. It looks beautiful. I'm just excited to be able to walk across the park again without having to take like eight miles of detour around everything and just it just being open again. I'm excited for Moana. You know, I didn't really I, I I'm not a big fan of IP being in Epcot. I'm your, more of like an Epcot purist. Like they should have their own stuff. There should be figment there. That was how I always liked Epcot. Right um, there with you. Yeah. So, but you know, I think these little touches are fine. Um, I'm excited for it, but most excited. I'm just excited for all the walls to be. <laughs> yeah, the end of Walcott. Yes. <laughs> very, very excited about, about seeing it kind of come together. And it's nice. Again, like I said, I like when things are added and I feel like this area didn't really take away too much. Sure, like innovations and things like that were, were sacrificed and innovations was definitely cool. Again, I won't put it past Disney to make this better than what they, you know, what they used to have. But I feel like they're better utilizing that space that they had right there. I am sad about the loss of the fountains, the, yes. you yes. know, but we did get to go see the statue. We stood in that area and it still it felt right. And I, like I said, I am missing the fountain, but it just, it gave me the feels that I needed. So definitely excited about that. Another thing coming back to the parks before we, we're going to end with just a couple attraction uh, tidbits that we're looking forward to. But Sue, you actually brought it up to us right before we started recording was the return of the after hours parties coming back to the parks. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, they are. They're bringing the after hours parties back. They're bringing back after hours at... Disney's Hollywood Studios, the Magic Kingdom, and Epcot. Um, it's select nights that they're going to offer those, and they're beginning on January 10th and 11th. Well, 10th is the first party, I believe, in Hollywood, January 11th in Magic Kingdom, and then not till February 2nd in Epcot. Mm. And they'll run through early April. Um, but what it is, is it's just, uh, it's a special ticket event, a limited ticket, and you get to enjoy usually three hours um, at either of those parks after they close. So it really makes for, you know, if you want those shorter lines like Mr. Willie likes, um, <laughs> it's a great time to, to be able to take advantage of that. 
there usually might be some unique character greetings that'll also, you know, appear at those. But it's definitely just a way, it, it kind of plays in almost all honesty to the older crowd, the teens, the mm. young adults, the older adults, the more mature adults um, <laughs> who can stay up late into those hours, you know, the 10 to 1 o'clock um, or the 9 to midnight. You know, you're not going to see a lot of kids in there just because they, their bodies can't do that. So it's a great time to have maybe not as many full families in there, but a little bit of a, a different crowd. And that, that limited ticket part is the main draw for me. Uh, like you said, it is a separately ticketed event. They can be a little pricey, but it's a real limited ticket event. Like when we did Mickey's Very Merry or when we do the Not So Scary Party, those are separate ticket events, but they, and they're, you know, they're not as packed as like a, a, a full capacity day at the park, but they're still very, very busy. The after hour parties, you literally feel that there are a lot less people in the parks. The the wait times, you know, the bigger attractions might have the longest wait times, but that might be 20 minutes, like for Cosmic Rewind, right? That's what I'm like, these big, massive ones. Everything else, when we have gone to them in the past, we've been able to walk on and go on the ride, get off and walk right back onto the ride before. So we are definitely looking forward to them. Some of them are themed. One of the ones that we went to is a villains uh, after party which was really cool. And Sue, you mentioned sometimes they have characters, so they had all the villains out. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they, what they do with uh, the after-hours parties. Again, it's like that return to normalcy, that return to pre-pandemic stuff, the things that they had offered in the past. So I am glad to, uh, to see that. But while we're in the parks, you know, I think a great way to wrap it up is some of the, the changes, the attractions that we are looking forward to in 2024. There's not tons of them that we have a lot of information on but there are a few that we know that disney has come out and said yeah this is happening so sue megan are there any that uh stand out to you as uh, megan i'm going to say as one you're looking forward to not one that you're not yes. looking forward to um honestly i'm looking forward to the little mermaid coming back the the theater show in hollywood studios i like that they're kind of adding new scenes they're adding new music uh, updating a lot of stuff. I definitely think that there needs to be some kind of revamp in that area of Hollywood Studios. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just a mismatch of everything. Um, and you definitely need to add some things that kind of suck up the people in Hollywood Studios. Mm -hmm. um, you know, besides the main attractions, you have Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, Rise. When one of those goes down, there's nowhere to put the people. Right. <laughs> um, so I just feel like they need to to add some of the stuff back, which they seem to be doing, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for The Little Mermaid. I, look, I'm going to jump to Magic Kingdom. Aren't we all interested to see what they're going to do with Tiana's Bayou Adventure? So that's <laughs> um, I was headed there, too. So I'm glad you're going there because I was going to say, um, what's one that Megan's not looking forward to? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I loved Splash Mountain, uh, Br'er Rabbit. I, I just, I, I, it was, it was definitely, um, it'll always be one of my favorite rides at Disney. Although, you know, I, I could deal with the not getting drenched part. I always seem to matter to get <laughs> drenched. But I am looking forward to seeing how they do this. I mean, being from Louisiana, it always kind of cracks me up the way they paint the Louisiana Bayou. <laughs> um, in New Orleans, um, it's a little bit different. It's got a character twist to it, um, but I am interested in seeing how they they theme that after the movie. It's a, it's a great movie, adorable movie. 
Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the new ride holds. Right. So that one is slated to open. It says, it just says late 2024. Again, we do know some of these bigger attraction rethemes, repurposes can sometimes get delayed. But as of right now, it is supposed to be out late 2024. Uh, I heard that they're also going to have a dining, maybe not like a sit down restaurant, but maybe a quick service or something going on over there. I was never a huge Splash Mountain fan, not because of the theme or anything, but because of the ride itself. I he just was chicken. Yeah, I don't want to fall to my death, so I I never really went on uh, Splash Mountain. I'll go on Rock and Roller Coaster all the time because there's something holding me in. Splash Mountain, they're like, you just sit in the bench and I'm going to drop you off the side of this thing. You're fine. So I, I couldn't do it. But if they're going to give me like beignets in the line or something, then maybe I'll, I'll go do it. Um, but yes, yeah, so that is coming out late 2024. We know it's a big topic of debate, which we won't really get into too much. Uh, we know people like, you know, Megan has made it very clear that she is not looking forward to it because she was excited. Of, you know, she likes Splash Mountain. Not that she has anything against Tiana. No, nothing against nothing against Tiana. I like Tiana. I think it's going to be perfect in Disneyland. Excited to go to Disneyland to ride it. Just not in Magic Kingdom. Gotcha. Yeah. Doesn't fit. For you in your in your mind in my mind no but we'll see what happens it could change um but we'll see i mean i'm not hating right. it i just really miss the old right so uh to kind of wrap it up on the attraction side of things i'm gonna hop back over to uh hollywood studios real quick because i am a huge star wars fan and star tours is going to be getting a bit of an update now this is something that has happened a number of times as they've come out with new movies and, and shows and stuff they will add scenes, right? If you've never been on the, uh, it's like you're traveling through different worlds on, on Star Wars uh, and they're able to just kind of add these new things for you to kind of go through and enjoy. So it has been teased that you might be meeting people from Ahsoka and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see what they add. But that's really the only three that we found that they like gave a lot of specific information about where they were like, this is going to be happening. There are a few other possible teases that were mentioned at Destination uh, D23 where they said this is possibly coming. Uh, there was a lot of them. There are two that, you know, of the list that they, they sent out that we thought, well, if they're going to actually do it, we could see it happening within this shorter time frame of being 2024. So one was the Country Bear Jamboree in Magic Kingdom. They said that they are, you're still going to have the same there's no real like physical change to the show, right? You're going to have the same bare animatronics and you're in the theater and all that stuff. What's changing is the show itself. Um, they're going to be switching from their more original style show to taking like the, the bears are going to be singing in like a Nashville inspired version of Disney classics. So covers covers, right? The country bears covers. So it's a way of bringing in other IP. You know, if it wasn't, Again, I'm not against change. I do like certain things. I do like when I do like having original things in the parks. I would love for them to keep Country Bears the way that it is. Yes. Now, if they wanted to add this to it, or they wanted to add like different versions of the show where it could go back and forth, I would prefer to see that. So you could still have the original version. You could have the new version because I love the idea of this Nashville country music style of Disney classics because we like country music. We like Disney. So uh, I am excited to see that, but I would personally like to see country bears. 
like at least nods. Like if they take there's blood on the saddle, away, the I'm, gonna be, saddle? Yeah, I'm gonna be pretty <laughs> upset. But I mean, again, right? I understand why maybe they're getting rid of big pools of blood on the ground. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think Megan, you agree, maybe not taking uh, yeah. country bears away. Again, I'm a pure, like certain things are just nostalgia. And I just think certain things should kind of just be like left alone. Um, I do understand that some people might not like the song choices <laughs> or the names of some of the characters. Get that. Um, but at the time that Walt built this, like that wasn't really a thing at the time. Um, so there's just, you can't get rid of blood on the saddle. That's the best. Like, ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sue, what about you? What do you think about this uh, country bear jamboree new take? You know, I I am a traditionalist. I'm sentimental to the country bears. I mean, you know, I, I remember that from when I'm a little girl and I was going right. there. Um, I, I'm interested to see what they do with it. I personally think they, they are going to, I think it's going to be a big change. Um, I, I think the bears are, it's going to be the same bears, I believe, with maybe different names is kind of what they put out or okay, modernizing, yeah. make them a little bit more country. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm interested to see it, but, I, you know, I've, I've kind of mixed feelings. I, I think I'm going to have to wait and, and make a call on it after it's all done. Right. Uh, the other one that we thought could possibly happen, uh, they mentioned replacing Tough to be a Bug, the show that is located inside the Tree of Life in Disney's Animal Kingdom with a Zootopia-themed show. You know, I feel like they could do it. The only thing is the Tough to be a Bug show is not just a screen. Uh, there are definitely a lot of theming changes that would have to happen inside the tree. There's There are some animatronics and some physical like gags that occur. So I don't know if they're going to try to build the show around what is already there or if they're going to revamp the whole thing. That would definitely play a, a, a role in when it comes out. That is another one that we definitely are keeping an eye on to see if it would happen in 2024 or not. Yeah, I mean, again, I like the show. Um, I like the gags. I like the animatronics. Um, and I think theme-wise, it makes sense because bugs live in and under trees. Mm. Um, so like theme wise, it kind of makes sense that you're going into like the bugs world and you're meeting the right. bugs and is it the most, like the newest movie out there? No, but it makes sense. And that's how I see it. I would much rather have like a whole Zootopia land. Like they kind of just opened in right Shanghai, Shanghai. Shanghai. Yeah. Um, so that I would love to see. Um, so I'll, I'll wait and see how it fits in with being inside of a tree. All right. So there's tons of stuff that, that we can continue talking about. I think we'll probably do another episode because there's a lot of movies and Disney Plus things coming out. There's things outside of the parks that we definitely want to touch on, like with Disney Cruise Line and some of the special events that are going on in 2024. But I still think there's a lot to look forward to. There's, there's a lot of reasons to continue visiting the parks. That's the great thing about Disney. A lot of people always ask us, when we go, it's like, oh, you've been there 30 times. Why are you going again? Well, because stuff changes. It's not always the same. They always offer something new and exciting. So I'm very excited to see, you know, some of these things come to fruition. Can we all name at least one thing we're waiting for that we didn't touch on just for the fun of it? Yes. Would love that. Exactly what we were just going to go into. So go ahead, Sue. Why don't you, know you start us off? <laughs> I can't wait to see the full reveal of the treasure, the Disney yes. treasure on Disney Cruise Line. 
um, with the, the little blips they've given us, the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Lounge, the Haunted Mansion Lounge. People, when they announced that, it was hilarious. That day, I think I got four call, phone calls for bookings just <laughs> because they not announced a Haunted Mansion Lounge. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm really, they're going to have their first Mexican themed restaurant, um, on board, um, modeled after Coco. Um, so I am really excited about that. It'll, it'll be going on its inaugural sailing actually right over Christmas, 2024. And then it'll, it'll really gear up and, and hook up come 2025, but it's making it in 2024. So that's what I'm waiting for. Excellent. What about you, Megan? Um, honestly, just Epcot being done. That's my biggest <laughs> one on my list. And maybe finding out more about um, some of these other projects that they have for the following years, like, you know, update on Dino Land and Animal Kingdom, um, you know, what's beyond Big Thunder Mountain. I Just finding out more details of what they're planning will also be something I'm looking forward to. Awesome. What about you, Chris? Is there something that sticks out to you? I, I kind of agree with Megan. Like I'm looking forward to D23 Expo this year. That's what I was going to say. Um, because we might be going. We might be going. <laughs> and if we do, go, even if we don't go, I'm just looking forward to, we always get a lot of information out of um, the yeah. Expo. And like Megan said, looking forward to that information. Yeah, I feel like we get a lot more like um, definite stuff from the Expo. Like D Destination D23, they do a lot of teasing. They announce a, a lot couple of things. sky idea. Right. And then by the time the expo rolls around the following year, you're like, okay, this is what's coming. So I always look forward to that. So I guess I'm looking forward to looking forward <laughs> to, to what's coming next. It's one way of putting it. Right. Uh, but, but we're very excited for, for that as well. For those of you listening, uh, if you are thinking about taking a Disney trip this year, 2024, uh, you want to enjoy any of the new many things that we just discussed or, or stuff that we haven't talked about. Uh, and not just in Disney World, right? All the parks around the world, the Disney Cruise Line, Adventure by Disney, they all have new stuff like every year for people to enjoy. If you're doing that, if you're planning, if you're looking into it, we can't tell you enough. We can't give you more reasons than the fact that Sue is like one of the greatest assets when it comes to setting up these vacations. She's going to be able to help you navigate the reservations and the, and the Genie Pluses and all the stuff that you have to do to make sure your vacation is perfect. Like Crystal is the Disney addict. She, and the fact that she will hand stuff over to Sue to plan for us just shows you that it is completely worth it to have an experienced travel agent like Sue on your side. Her service is free. There's really no downfall to using a travel agent. So, you know, we can't say it enough. This is why Sue's our preferred travel agent. She's why we recommend her to all of the members of Johanna because we trust her with our own vacations. Uh, you could go over to our website to see how to reach out. But Sue, real quick, why don't you tell everyone how they can reach you if they wanted to plan a trip for 2024? Well, sure. They can go on your website. My link to my email is on there. Or it's you can reach me by email at sue.passauer, P-A-S-S-A-U-E-R, at mei-travel.com. Or if you have already worked with the MEI in the past, please feel free. Um, please reach out to your current advisor. Um, I'm not the only one that does Disney, although I work closely with you and a lot of members of your Ohana, and I would love to work with anyone, but 
reach out to us. Um, we'd be happy to help you see Disney in 2024. Um, whatever you want to do, we can help you. Well, there you go, folks. Just a few of the things we're looking forward to at Walt Disney World and beyond this upcoming year. We know that things happen and many of the items that we've discussed can change and will be evolving before they actually come to fruition. So be sure to stay up to date over on our socials and here on the podcast for the latest news. We want to thank our friends, Sue and Megan, for joining us on today's episode. Thanks, guys, for chatting with us. Of course. Thanks for inviting oh, me back. Uh, thank you very much. I always look forward to it. We also want to thank all of you for tuning in. Be sure to hit that follow button to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes. We'd also love to have you be part of the show. If you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode or have an idea for a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, please reach out to us over on our website, MarriedToADisneyAddict.com, or by visiting our social pages on Facebook and Instagram by searching Married to a Disney Addict. We'd definitely love to have you become part of the Ohana. We hope you all enjoyed the show. And as always, see you real soon. See you real soon. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. That was great.